got one man up and Jonathan Joseph comes straight through the middle. Got Mike Brown to beat as the last line of a defence and here goes Joseph. Joseph's going to get over. Watson goes on the outside. Oh, Watson goes Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gabriel and I am joined as ever by my good friend and fellow Bath fan Tom. And Tom, after two weeks of fun, Christmas fun for the boys in blue, black and white, two wins, back to work for us and back to reality for a lot of Bath fans. Another disappointing defeat, back to bad old ways. Absolutely, came uh, crashing down into the new year um, with a loss after, you know, as you say, two good wins. And uh, gee, we've not won three Premiership games on the bounce in three years. So uh, it would have been a nice one to, uh, um, you know, to round off the year and, 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 and come into 2020, but, uh, but not to be. No, unfortunately not to be. We're going to get into that Derby Day defeat at King's Home against Gloucester, obviously, in this podcast. Also to come, we're going to have a little look ahead at some of the players out of contract at Bath Rugby at the moment and give an idea of who we'd like to stay, who we think will stay and who we think may be playing their rugby elsewhere next season. And who we'd like to sign. And in our, in our, maybe in our wildest dreams, but uh, I've got a couple of names, uh, G, I'm sure you do too. Yeah, look forward to that. And then finally, we're going to have a quick and it hopefully will be quick, look ahead to the um, dead rubber European game against Harlequins at the Rec on Friday night um, and hopefully give a few team selection ideas that may whet the appetite of any Bath Rugby fans like me that are making the trip to the Rec on Friday. But let's get into the game, Tom, um, the Gloucester game, that is. And I feel like you're perhaps... Um, slightly more positive than me. Would, would that be f- sort of fair to say? Well, yeah, I think it's uh, it sort of makes a change to be honest, G. You know, I, you're normally uh, sorry. I'm normally the um, you know bringing doom and gloom and uh, putting my foot through uh, fences all around mm. uh, Bristol, and you're normally sort of blindly optimistic, clinging on to to all the little positives. Okay, but so, I gone. Okay, so so let me just give a bit of, of of context to why I'm surprised that you're you're quite optimistic. Not optimistic, but not as. Uh, downtrodden as I think a lot of Bath fans are and on the last podcast you were quite optimistic going into that that game is that is that fair to say yeah I think predicted a a Bath win I think you were quite boisterous about our chances we then picked probably our strongest team um, in in, in many years probably in five years you you confirmed that to me Mm. over text I think you were quite pleased with the team and yet we lose we score nine points, we don't score a try, and it is our heaviest defeat against Gloucester in nine years. We scored How? 15 points. You're doing a, that's a massive un- injustice there. Oh, did we? Oh, sorry. 15, 15 whole points. Um, I think, uh, yeah. How can you be optimistic based on your, your optimism going in and then yet the final product produced by Bath? I think there's a couple of things. So I think the first thing to say is the scoreline, in my view, massively flattered Gloucester. Um, you know, on the hour mark or just before the hour mark, uh, we were actually leading uh, 15-12. And you know, as we've seen so many times, and gee, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying it's perfect. I still think there's stuff to improve on. But at the hour mark, um, we're leading Gloucester away at Kingsholme. Um, you know, they're obviously you know, very in very very good form, scoring tries left, right, and centre. And I thought we held them pretty well up to that point. Um, there was that pivotal pivotal moment, I think, G, as we'll come on to. Um, with the with the late tackle um, on on Josh Honuck um, by uh, by Tom Dunn, it's not often we criticise criticise him, but for me that was a massive moment because it opened the the floodgates a bit and also um, changed momentum. 
and the other point I was going to make is sort of last week, the other thing um, I said is that all I want to see really is progress. And I, I think that this team are showing much more than we've seen from Bath teams in at least the last couple of seasons gone by. And uh, yeah, we can come on to, come on to things that, that I thought went well, but I understand the frustration at the result. But I, I personally, and I may be completely blindly optimistic, G, but I'm, I'm seeing improvements in areas um, that I think are really important to the foundation of our game, albeit I still think, as, as, as we agree, that we're really lacking that sort of last cutting edge in the, in, in the 22. But, but I think it almost makes it worse in the fact that, that Gloucester didn't play well for, for 60 minutes. They'll openly admit that. They played well for, 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 for 15 minutes, probably. And, and you can't have a team play well against you for 15 minutes and put you away and score four tries and you not get a point. You know, if Gloucester are going to play badly like they did, a good team, a really good team, takes those chances. And it just sounds like more excuses to me, Tom, that, that we're not taking these chances. And there's always a, one reason why we're not. One pass doesn't go to hand. One late, t- one late tackle goes the other way. But it's excuse after excuse. And you can't dominate a game like we did for 60 minutes and not win and not get one point from it. It is simply not good enough. Yeah. And the chickens must come home to roost with this, with this lack of clinicality and attack at some point. What do you want to do there? I mean, we, you know, all, all we can ask for at this point, unless you make some sort of change to the, you know, the the, the personnel playing or, or the or the coaching personnel, all you can hope, all you can ask for, all you can hope for at this point is for the key areas of the game to improve. And the attack's been an area that we've lamented for the whole season. It's not been good. It is improving. I still think we're very much we're very very mechanical in attack. You know, when when we get the ball, we don't earn the right to go out wide. We also um, when we do sort of um, uh, put together a sort of set move, it looks like it's so um, uh, sort of uh, off the training park and, and, mm. and just, as I say, um, lacks any sort of fluidity in any, ele- any element of heads-up rugby that it's quite easy to read uh, uh, by the defence and also the passes go down, players aren't quite sure what's going to happen because it almost seems like it's, like it's rehearsed and uh, but- Gloucester are a very good defensive side and they dealt with that really, really well. But um, yeah, go on. But the, the, the disappointing thing is, Tom, is that I guess that 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 you're spot on in that. What what can we do? I'm not an advocate of changing the coaching. Certainly not mid-season, and it's never going to get better than that as a Bath fan in terms of team selection. You know, it's Europe now, and then it's Six Nations, and then there's going to be injuries. That was it. That was our opportunity. We had. You know, there was so much talk in the build-up. Bath fans were so excited about that back row being back together. That back line is together. You know, p- potentially the scrum half aside and one winger, that is the strongest back line we could possibly put out. And it will not get better than that this season. And yet not even to score tries is, is so disheartening. And I, I guess you're right in that, you know, there's nothing we can do apart from stick behind the boys through thick and thin, as I always say. But I guess... Coming away, I was so disappointed because I was so optimistic going in that this was our chance to to beat Gloucester at Kingstone because the team selection was so strong. Yeah, uh, you know, I completely agree, and I I do share your your frustrations completely. And you know, obviously, everyone was very very excited in in the build up to the game, not least because of uh, you know the the back row. Um, the, the back row of dreams that, that started together for the first time in two and a half years, 67 um, games that they have they've uh, shared at Bath without managing to, to start um, in a game or indeed appear on the field at the same time. And yet the best black row was, best back row was wearing cherry and white on the day. Yeah, the best back row was. And, and you know, mm. uh, I've said it to you um, in the past and I believe on the, on the podcast, Jake Pelledri is um, 
freakish in his in his carrying. I was actually thinking it's um, to digress a little bit, but he's almost like a bigger version of of Zach Mercer. We often we often say, how is Zach Mercer with his build? You know, he's not a big guy, but he seems to be extremely powerful above. Um, sort of much more than you'd think. He seems to go through tackles, seems to pick and drive really effectively. Pelleggi's not the biggest guy, but he is just an absolute man mountain, just so hard to to bring down. And uh, you're absolutely right. I think he was the best back rower on the day. Mm. Um, but I do think, um, you know, I thought Falatao and uh, Francois Lowe in particular uh, did show mm. signs of promise to you. You know, you mentioned the, the attack and um, being unable to, to score a try. It could have been very different. In that first half, Falatao, two opportunities. Um, one, um, you know, when he when he made a half break past Jamie Roberts, who who fumbled it, and if he'd have, if he'd have gathered that and, and gone through, it might have been an opportunity there. And secondly, and the biggest opportunity of that first half, um, again a break and and gave it to to Anthony Watson, who yeah, vice um, versa, I think it was Watson, and then went back inside. Yeah, yeah, well, well yeah, and then Watson, oh, sorry, um, yeah. he actually started the move as well yeah, though, and then yeah, got yeah, back yeah, up yeah. on the inside, and Watson chose to go back inside to. To Falatao instead of um, instead of much. instead of going outside to uh, and I think the trial would have been scored if, he, if he'd gone to his left. So two. It wasn't so much about um, what he thought of Francois Lowe's finishing ability going back inside to Falatao, not Lowe, who I think you know Henry Thomas with his crooked knee might have scored from from where Francois Lowe the position he was in. Sorry, I, oh, well, I think I think I would have scored. Yeah. And you know Francois Lowe in the corner. There's that iconic shot back in the. Um, oh, well, I don't know when it would be a few seasons ago when, when uh, in the in the Novia shirt with the uh, the sort of triangle down yeah. the chest of Francois Lowe diving in the corner. I think it was against. against I think Leicester. it was against Leicester. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we could have had a, a repeat of that um, uh, for our recent World Cup winner, but but it wasn't to be. But um, gee, it just shows that having players like those 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 guys back, and I know as you said. Those guys are now going to be gone till sort of mid March, um, which is which is obviously very disappointing. Um, but having guys like those in your ranks, um, you know, you do get opportunities. We just weren't able to take them. Yeah, I think that's right. And you know, generally speaking, I was feeling quite positive at the halftime break. I think we definitely dominated that game. There was always a feeling in the back of my mind that if we weren't going to put them away, Gloucester would take the opportunities. They'd, they'd have a period of play where where it clicked with Cipriani, Twelfth Trees. Um, and all their potent outside backs, and it did, and that was ultimately what cost us the game. But focusing on that first half, Tom, what did we get right in that first half? Because although we didn't score a try, it was a decent performance, I'd say. Yeah, well, we played all. <clears throat> excuse me, we played all the rugby. Um, you know, we had about seventy percent of of possession and territory um, in that first half. I think we were um, dominant um, in terms of in terms of the collision and the and the gain line as well. Um, you know, we, we showed. Some ambition in attack. We mentioned um, the the Falatao breaks there. Um, a couple of breaks from from Rocco Daguni as well. One which um, was was preceded by a, a fantastic pass from from Elliot Stuck mm. off his off his left hand. That if it had been thrown by someone like Danny Cipriani, BT Sport would have been showing it time and time uh, again. And uh, I think he's he's really growing into his role and backing his handling skills um, in a way that's in a way that's that's really encouraging. Rocco Daguni also G had that. Um, break when he picked up from from the from the base. So, what are your thoughts on on, on Rocco Daguni, Tom? Because I don't think he, he quite looks himself at the moment. I think he was the only Bath player to make it over 100 meters in the game. I think I saw that stat. But does he look himself to you? I, I'm not sure. When he made that break, picking up from the base, as you say, he just looked like he was kind of running. I think you said to me, running in treacle. Yep. And I wasn't sure whether that was because he was kind of surrounded by Gloucester players and therefore waiting for his support biding his time to allow 
slower forwards to get to him so that he wouldn't be turned over? Or has he just potentially, and you know, unfortunately for Bath fans, lost potentially that yard of pace that, that, that separated him from, from being a good winger to, to, to being you know, almost a world-class winger as he was at his best? It's a difficult one because I think he almost looks like a, a slightly different player to, 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 to seasons gone by. So he's doing some things that we have been calling for for, for quite a long time. I think his, his aerial game has, incre- has improved uh, quite considerably, actually. He's actually coming off his wing now and going looking for work mm. for you know the pickup from that that ruck a prime example of that we used mm. to we said on, on this podcast before if only he could um come off his wing and and, and look for work and, and and make the most of the the power and pace that that he's got i think yeah it's difficult to to put your finger on i'd be very surprised if he suddenly almost over the course of a year um what is he in his early 30s mm. lost just that extra gear i just think he's he's not necessarily going going looking for it he, you know when he when he picks up the ball in in the backfield that's the time to really get into uh, to to fifth gear um and and try and break through tackles as he used to do and he sort of seems to amble up to the defense and then hit the gas too late and he he seems much easier to to bring down um than he was so um whether that's um, you know the hangover of of an injury, just you know the way the way he's been t- t- told to to change his game. I'm not sure, but I think the Rockadguni of old would have finished that opportunity when he when he went through from the rut there. I, I think, yeah, he may not have finished it, but I think the Rockadguni of old and and the Thokkanasiga of now. Sorry to make that lazy comparison, but they they are similar players. Would at least back themselves to to finish it now, and I I think that's the the kind of worrying thing when I look at Rockadguni is that. It kind of looks like he's he's lost a bit of confidence in himself, and he's no longer backing himself. He was fantastic when he used to just take take players on, and it wouldn't always work. But when it worked, there were some in, extremely memorable tries, just where he's just getting the ball, and and you can't think he's got no chance of scoring, and he beats three or four players and scores, and and it wouldn't always work, as I say. But to have that confidence in his ability, I think that's kind of what's lacking with Rocco Daguni at the moment. He, he has been on. I know he scored against London Irish, but prior to that he's been on a bit of a try scoring drought I think yeah and, the, and I, go yeah. on well I was just, no you go on yeah I think that lack of that lack of confidence is potentially what 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 is causing it but it, yeah when he made that break I was kind of like go on Rocco go on Rocco and he, he never went yeah I, I think that's absolutely spot on that was going to say you know tries um you know breed confidence really and mm. I think for the the past few seasons, his his try scoring records been been something like one try in every two games or, or something ridiculous like that. And he, he, you're right, he's not he's not scored many um, this season, and and you know towards the towards the back end of of last season as well. So uh, I think it's a confidence thing. If he can you know get on the end of a, a few tries, hopefully that'll uh, do his confidence good, and we'll uh, um, we'll have the old uh, Rocco that we that we know and love, coupled with. Um, you know the improvements he's made to his game that I've mentioned, and you know that would be some force to reckon with. Yeah, hopefully he's not kind of brought other things to his game at the expense of what made him so fantastic. So yeah, fingers crossed he can get in a bit of a run uh, and get some of that confidence back. Um, what else do you think we we did well in in that first half? Well, you know, shall I set you up? Do you want to talk about the scrum? Well, I was I was going to yeah. I think again a hugely um, uh, a, a huge positive from the game yet again. Um, well, actually, against Sale, obviously, we, we took a little bit of a backward step in, in that respect, but we've been um, a, a real force to be reckoned with in, in that department. And that continued against what's a very, very experienced front row in, in Honek, Murray, um and Fraser Balmain. So 
again, massive kudos to Abano and Stewart who are turning into to, to, to absolute freaks in that department. And I also think that um, Boyce and, and Judge, who maybe lacked a bit of confidence early on, when they came on, the scrum looked uh, as powerful um, and, and, and was really going forward in the second half as well. So, gee, you know, Neil mm. Hatley coming back has, 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 I think, even made a stronger in that department, Craig Lilly, um, I know his academy coach, very closely involved with the, the scrum on a day-to-day basis and, and those guys doing a brilliant job. Yeah, I, I can't talk enough about how highly I rate Will Stewart and I, I think you, you, you're with me here. And, and I, I think we don't get many accountable predictions right, but if you get that one wrong, then, then Eddie Jones not watching enough Bath rugby because he is absolutely fantastic. And what what impressed me so much on, on Saturday against Gloucester is is his, is his discipline. And it was a. It was at the at, at King's home, um, the Derby Day atmosphere, which I know you love to talk about, Tom. <laughs> and and I think Josh Josh Honek, who was the, the 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 loose head, potentially knew he was in for for a tough afternoon. And I think he tried to to, to sort of rile Stewart up in the first couple of scrums, not getting his head um, in the right positions, kind of going head to head with Stewart, a bit of pushing and shoving when when there was a couple of resets at the start. I think Stewart kept his composure beautifully and did his talking with his scrummaging. And it was another extremely powerful performance room in the loose, but especially in the tight on Saturday. We dominated that area, particularly in that first half when he was on. And we can't say enough good things about Will Stewart. And and, and, and whilst I think there's always a debate amongst Bath fans as to whether you, you necessarily want your, your your best players to be picked up by England because then, of course, they miss valuable time for your club. But um, I'm certainly not of that opinion. If he gets an England call-up, I'll be delighted for him because he's absolutely well-deserved. He, he He's outstanding. Uh, yeah, and, and, you, and, he, yeah, and you can see why Dai Young was um, so gutted to, to, to lose him from uh, from Wasstry because he's, he's a young guy. He's 23 mm. uh, or, or 24, I think, and um, he's already an incredible an incredibly powerful athlete. That's only gonna, uh, you know, he's only gonna get better. He's only gonna get stronger. He's only become more experienced with um, those the, the the caliber of that that coaching and the caliber of the the other guys in in that position. We're um, yeah, an embarrassment of riches, really. I think in the in the prop department above. Yeah, I think we are. It would be nice to have Cat and and Thomas. Um, it's kind of it's kind of strange actually to think that. If we hadn't had the the unfortunate injuries to to Henry Thomas and Nathan Cat, Will Stewart and and Benno Abano would probably be the backups this season, and and we would have no idea the, the the ability and the potential that Will Stewart's holds. So I guess a blessing in disguise, but but it does mean that if we lose another injury or we do lose either of them or both of them to England, then potentially behind Judge and and um, Boyce. Boyce. The, the cupboard is slightly bearer, but um, I guess you are right. We've got nine, no, six props there who um, who we really rate. And there are younger guys, which 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 I know you, you rate as yeah, well. Yeah, some very good operators who have come through mm. the academy. And we've spoken before how keen the, the club are to develop mm. and then retain academy guys, obviously, with that with that homegrown goal in mind. Sam Nixon and Will Vaughan, I would say, are the, the two guys behind that, both... Um, you know, showing a, a lot of potential when when they've played and uh, starring in uh, uh, you know uh, Bath United, who are having a fantastic season so far. G, as I, as I think we're coming on to. Yeah, we will come on to that a little bit later in the podcast. Nice tease there, Tom. Um, what else did we do do well in in that first half? Then should we talk a little bit about the back row performance? I think it was kind of a mixed performance by by the three guys in in the Bath back row. 
from my point of view, I would say the standout, Francois Lowe, we've spoken about him. Is I think he's second to none in the world over the ball at the moment. If he's if 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 he's on it, he's he's impossible. It looks like to get off it, and and he's really good. That what I think he's he's really improved on in his game. Low is that he listens really well to the referee now, and so if the referee is telling him to get off it, he, his discipline is outstanding, and so he gives away very few penalties in that area. You know, you see a lot of jacklers who who go for a ball, go for the ball win turnovers but also give away a lot of penalties because they're not as di- as disciplined as low but I think with the experience that he's now got he's fantastic and uh, he was out he was a real bright spark for us in the in in that game on Saturday yeah I think Josh Bayliss and and Tom Ellis are guys potentially <clears throat> who show a lot of endeavor trying to jack up mm. and get over the ball but at times have been guilty of being a little bit over enthusiastic getting on the wrong side of the the referee and conceding those penalties so yeah it's about listening um, it's about getting yourself in a good position so you can get yourself out of the ruck if yeah. um, if if the referee um, uh, calls you to do so. Um, and I think he, to an extent, is beginning to have that aura about him um, yeah. that you see with the top top mm. back rows in the world. Whereby, if the referee sees them over the ball, they just they just sort of in their minds they think he's he's whiter than white. He he's been on his feet there. And you're absolutely right. I think. Um, you know, alongside probably Tom Curry um, and David yeah. Pocock, I think Francois Lowe is, is is up there with the with the best jackler in the world. And obviously, those two guys still involved with um, with their countries. And, and you know, we've got Francois Lowe now on a permanent basis throughout the season. Um, uh, yeah, he's, he's a fantastic asset. And you know, he he maybe over over the past couple of seasons, uh, you know, there's been periods when he's not quite been at his best, whether it's been injury or, or confidence or just just playing volume. You know, when he was juggling with South Africa, but he he seems to be um, right back to his best. And uh, yeah, he he was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it's funny how we see things through uh, blue, black, and white tinted glasses. Tom, we were lamenting last week the reputation that Faf de Klerk was was using to get away with murder against Bath for sale. But now we're applauding the reputation Francois Lowe has built up to, to get away with murder for Bath against other teams. But um, I'm sure you're also Bath fans listening, so uh, hopefully you're not complaining <laughs> about that. Um, can we talk a little bit about Sam Underhill, uh, Tom? Because I don't have the stats to hand, but it seemed like quite a quiet game from him. And a couple of nice moments for Bath so far when he's been back uh from England, from the World Cup, but I do think he's a little bit quieter than his normal self, and particularly on Saturday, I wasn't um, wholly impressed with, with with his performance. What what sort of numbers was he was he doing, and particularly what sort of numbers was he doing in attack? Yeah, so he, he played sixty eight minutes, um, five carries for five meters. Um, uh, yeah, he had, he had a cheeky offload in there as as well, um, and and then just the nine tackles. So um, completely agree. I think of the three. Um, in particular, probably of the six back rows on the day, he was he was by far the quietest. I think we've we've spoken about this before. Obviously, uh, you know he's a young guy. He um, only twenty three. The the World Cup um, will have been, despite how he's feeling, will have been very very draining mentally and physically, given the the quite world class performances that that he put in for for England. Um, you know, Stuart Hooper said, and, and I mentioned it before on, on the podcast, that he was chomping at the bit to to get involved straight away when he when he came back. So um, it's just really important to to manage a player like that because they're always um, going to think they're invincible. They're always going to think they can play every week, and and they want to repay the the faith that the club has mm. has, 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 has 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 invested in them. Um, but I think it's um, I think he does look a bit tired. I think a few of the players. 
um, given the, the the fast-paced nature of the of the first half and how much we had the ball and how how much we were trying to um, to to get those points in the first half, I think he was one of the players going into that second half um, that did begin to fade. And I think that was probably one of the reasons that we started to lose collisions. We started to lose that battle of the the gain line. Um, cracks started to open in defence, and, and, and Gloucester exploited those. Yeah, let's move on to the the second half now, Tom. And I was just going to say going to go the, on, going yeah. to that first half. So mm. you know all that all that uh, possession, all that territory. Um, uh, you know two points up I kind of in my mind at that half time point I, you know I was just thinking it's not enough is it really mm. I mean with you want to be converting those numbers into 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 more of a lead than that don't you yeah I, I think that's right and then the, the numbers that BT Sport showed and the kind of um, chat they were having at half time was, was highlighting that and you, as I mentioned you did always feel like Gloucester would have a period where it clicked and and it and 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 it did for them, and I think the missed chances there in that first half. If we'd taken one or two of them, uh, then it would have been a completely different story. And, and Gloucester may not have been able to sum up the mental fortitude to come back like they did in the second half. But I think they were kind of rallied by the fact that that we hadn't put them away, and they were they probably were going in that change room thinking, "Blimey, we've played terribly there, but we're still massively in this game," and that would rally that would sort of rally them and and and. Um, you know, contrastingly, bring us bring us down if you, if you know what I mean. And, and you know, making the most of Gloucester mistakes was a theme of that that first half, and we just completely completely failed to to mm. do that. You know, two um, missed touch kicks from from Danny Cipriani, a missed uh, kick as well. He he really wasn't striking it particularly well, and we just weren't able to convert that into into points. And I thought it was really interesting listening to to Stuart Hooper um, talk after the game because he made the point that you know Gloucester have got a great defensive record particularly at home they don't really concede tries and it's very clear that the game plan was to kick for goal whenever we had the opportunity mm. to and it feels like we get in a good position we might get a penalty advantage we'll just kick the ball away or throw a, um, a speculative pass that you know we only half-heartedly think is going to come off and then we'll just resort back to that game plan of of kicking points and I think you know it only takes one mistake in that fifth minute when when Francois Lowe came in um, uh, to, to the inside runner and, and Mostert went through for the try. It only takes one mistake like that and suddenly all that hard work, those three penalties, are just gone in a in, in a click of the fingers. And I think um, it must have been, it must have felt like we were behind really going to that half-time mm. interval after all the effort that we put in only to have that, that two-point surplus. Yeah, it's almost as if Hoops missed last week's episode because we told him that we would need to score tries because Gloucester would score tries and, and, and that's how it turned out. Um, and let's let's move into the, the second half, the, the poor second half performance. And I want to talk a little bit about our attack. And I mentioned it at the top, um, and and how I really wasn't impressed with 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 the performance, with the clinicality. How I've not been impressed in for for pretty much the whole season now. Um, and I think we got the game plan on on Saturday. I think we just got it wrong. And I think it was clear that we wanted to to get the ball wide early. Um, this is highlighted for me by the fact that we were playing flankers in the wide channel, often the widest player. So I'm thinking of Falatau and Lowe, particularly on either side, were often the, even wider than the, the wings. And if they weren't, they were just one man in from the wings. And that was obvious that they wanted the ball to go there, have a back rower there to be there to recycle the ball. It was also highlighted for me by the fact that we, we didn't move once in that uh, first half, you know, the more has been a weapon for us this season, even if it's sort of 
you know, in the 10 meter lines, still use them all, have a look at what you get. It's a great opportunity to get penalties. But every time we had a line out, it came off the top and cooked and it went wide, wide, wide. And I think it worked at the start of the game. And I think, for example, that Falatau break, you know, both the missed opportunities we had from Falatau were on either wing. And I think it did work. Stooks pass was getting it wide early. But I think Gloucester adjusted to that and they realised that that was the plan and, and they, they fanned out and they drifted and they made life very difficult for us. And in that second half, we just simply didn't earn that right to go wide. There was no carrying through the middle from, from Roberts. There was no carrying through the middle from the forwards, um, particularly those back row forwards. And ultimately, Jake Paledri showed how it was done and you have to you know, tie in forwards to be able to release your outside backs. And we never did that in the second half. And I think that was what's so disappointing. There was no adjustment. And whilst going wide worked early, it stopped working. We had to resort to a more pragmatic game plan and just put someone... Jamie Roberts is the perfect guy to have on the field if you want to do that. And and it was time to give him the ball, tie in forwards, tie in forwards, and then release the backs. And, and, and it, Joseph and Watson and those guys had no space in that second half because we just weren't earning the right to, to, to go wide. Absolutely. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And it's it's brought out in the in the numbers as well, GBT Sport, um, uh, show that playmaker balance mm. graphic. And um, our attack very much so far this season has been predominantly off nine. Um, so probably 60 or 70% off nine, I would I would say. I don't have the, the stat to hand, but I think it's sort of around that. And that's what Gloucester were doing, as you say. This On this occasion, um, nearly 60% um, of the ball that we had was played off 10 or off 12. Mm. Um, and it's about half and half um, in terms of that. You can't play 25, 30% off 12 because teams, as you say, will just drift out. You become too predictable. Um, and as I say, I think that when we did try and resort to those training ground moves, we we often looked robotic and we didn't actually read what was what was in front of us. So uh, yeah, gee, I I, um, I completely agree. It's it's uh, the attack is um, is starting to take shape in in my view. But I think these are these are more more teething problems problems that we had. That said, you know we did have a couple of opportunities in the in the second half, which. Uh, as you said, the best finishers, the best teams would have would have taken. I'm thinking particularly of that that Jonathan Joseph sort of classic arcing break um, mm. through the 13 channel when he just identified a, a tiny tiny gap and and just went through it and and probably made 30 40 meters. Um, I think a few of the boys were probably a bit tired on his on his shoulders. They may have been forwards as you as you said, and they weren't able to to get with him. Um, and offer went to ground, I think, and and that particular move was was lost. So um, yeah completely agree with you and uh it's um i think yeah I, I don't know whether it's whether it's personnel i think um for me a big a big problem with the attack um was the speed of ball from the ruck um and i don't mean from the breakdown i mean actually the, the speed of pass from from chris cook i think at times looked to ha- look to hang in the air and, and gloucester are so aggressive in defense that by the time Priestland got the got the ball and, and and he's there static sort of 10 meters behind the ruck the gloucester defense is is on top of him he tries to ship it on um the ball goes to ground it looks frantic and um and there, there were a number of turnovers like that in the um in that second half so i think um yeah Chris Cook didn't have the the usual fizz um, on his pass that, that that we see from um, from him on occasion and from um, from probably the best nines in the country. Yeah, I think I think you're right, and I think generally speaking, from what I've read from Bath fans after the game, Chris Cook probably shouldn't do that because I don't think um, 
the general consensus is that he didn't have a very good game, and I would agree with that. I don't think he had a very good game. We've seen at times that this season that he's had nice moments, but um, it's been marred by ill-discipline and mistakes. Uh, but I think on, on Saturday, it was just a, a pretty poor performance all around. And I, I imagine, I don't know, but I'd imagine he'd admit that himself. And I think the difficulty was... Um, I've been there uh, you, you, as a scrum half. You're having a shocker. I had one on Saturday. I've like, been there. I, <laughs> I had to step in. To step in, I think <laughs> under 16s or something. That was uh, can only pass off my left hand. So that was interesting. <laughs> I was there on third Saturday. Actually, um, I was hungover though. I don't think Cook was suffering from from that issue and way too <laughs> way too many drinks over. Maybe Chudley was there. Yeah, maybe that's why he was missing. But I think when you're there, particularly as a scrum half, where you get very little respite from, from your core skills, if it does start to go wrong, it's really nice to have someone to come on and replace you. Yep. I think having a guy like Ollie Fox, who potentially they don't trust yet in that environment, and that, that, yeah, that's not a, a slight on Ollie Fox at all. He's got very little experience. I think meant that Cook had to play the, the full game, whereas on another occasion, you know, it may have been easier to sort of bring him off after 50 minutes when I think it was clear to to everyone and uh, you know I don't really want to slag someone off individually here but I think it was quite clear that he was having his best game and it would have been nice to have someone on the bench that, that could have come on yeah and I think when you you know when you, you mentioned it's a very very strong team we put out and I think when you look down the the two sides sort of man versus man as it were I think in the majority of positions I mean I know I'm I'm biased as as you say obviously but I think in most positions you would probably side a neutral would probably side with the with the bath player um i think there's only probably a few positions that that i'd go with the with with the gloucester guy but i think in in scrum half in particular you know when you've got Billy hines who i thought had a had a brilliant game for gloucester he kicked exceptionally exceptionally well um found a few um passes the mustard try for example mm. um and then when you've got joe simpson coming off the bench to inject that pace at the end, that is, um, uh, you know, gee, you often, um, you know, um, uh, wax lyrical about the, the importance of a, of a good scrum half. And I'm not always convinced, but I think it was um, potentially brought out by um, probably the difference in um, in performance and, and potentially quality, um, you know, with the respective scrum halves mm. on both teams. Well, and I think, unfortunately, the other one you may look at would be fly half and they are pretty key positions in rugby, the halfbacks. So, um, yeah, an area which we're going to come on to when we talk a little bit about recruitment and players out of contract. So um, stay tuned for that. Um, last few thoughts about this game, Tom. Let's talk about uh, Tom Dunn because we want to talk about that that key incident which you kind of uh, alluded to at the start of the podcast. You and me uh, saw it as the turning point. Um why was that so important and, and was there any, well there wasn't any need for for that brainless penalty which is so unlike Tom Dunn it, it's so unlike him and um to be honest I'd uh, I'd rather keep this all I'd rather have kept this all uh, anonymous because um I love Tom Dunn I think mm. he is a brilliant brilliant player and um we have throughout this whole podcast got nothing um but 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 good things to to say about him he's an absolute workhorse again he was top tackler um, for Bath, I think he might have been. Uh, yeah, he was top carrier as well during the game. Um, he put in a couple of ridiculous last one last mm. ditch tackle against Jake Pelledry that was qu- just quite ridiculous, given that he just ran over about about thirteen uh, men in that particular carry. Um, but he, he'll know that it wasn't. Um, you know, it, it was a pretty stupid moment to um, try and get the the shot in on his opposite um, front rower. Um, 
you know, it was, it was a bit of a cheap shot and it was, you know, ultimately it was the, it was the right call to, to, to give the penalty. But um, just so happened, obviously, that, that Jonathan Joseph um, uh, had, had kicked it through in, in, in classic uh, JJ fashion and was, was going to latch onto that. And, and, and he did score because so he didn't realise that the whistle had gone. So, um, and I think it was a massive, a massive turning point, G, because, um, you know, it, it, it was ultimately a 14-point swing because Gloucester kicked uh, down into... Um, uh, down into the uh, into the corner, um, and ultimately, um, I think it was Freddie Clark, ex Bath man himself, actually ex Bath Academy man, mm. who um, who sort of squirmed over in a, in in, in a, off the back of a few pick and goes to to score, and um, it felt that felt like a massive moment, and it was it was compounded when ultimately they scored um, in the next five ten minutes with the with the Grobler try. Um, out wide so um, yeah that it, it felt like it, at that point so at the 60 minute mark it felt like it was pretty even we're three points ahead um, you know bit of home advantage in there but it, it was pretty even um, most of the game being played in the middle of the field and it just I think was up to one side at that point to grab the game by the scruff of the neck a little bit mm. and say we're going to win this and um, it could have been it could have been us <laughs> if that try had gone our way um, and I think that was the sort of pivotal moment that, that swung it in the in the other way yeah I, I think you're, you're, you're spot on Tom and the frustrating thing is that um, his late hit had no, no kind of bearing on on what happened with the try. It no. wasn't like uh, who was it? Was it, was it Murray that he was it Honek, 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 who Honek, was it? Honek, yeah. uh, late late shot, but he didn't pass the ball and therefore he barely moved down, as well. You no, know, exactly. <laughs> had no bearing on it, and and so as we say, very as I said, very unlike Tom Dunn, but um, a key moment. And it, it just felt like a key moment as well because it got the crowd back up. Uh, I think we did a good job in that first half, particularly to dampen the spirits of, of the King's Own Faithful, but that got them back up and, and Gloucester fed off that. And yeah, a key moment. Um, and yeah, you know, we don't want to criticise Tom Dunn too much because he's been a fantastic player for Bath for, for, for two or three seasons now. But as you say, he'll know how costly an error that 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 was and it's, it's just really disappointing to see hopefully he'll learn from it and and, and keep his discipline oh, yeah, uh, whiter than white as, as we like to say um any other points um you want to bring up i've got a few tweets uh from people that um i i, I could bring to you and then you, you could react to them or have you got anything that you, that you want to yeah to no, that's yourself? Some tweets. That's good. um cool so yeah hugh walker um uh suggested that we need green back pronto for some speed uh, and cutting edge um, time's up for Walker and Roberts Judge and Boyce need to sharpen up quickly to add competition to first choice one and three interesting thoughts think we certainly think that uh, what were your thoughts on on Roberts Roberts's performance I guess there you know Jamie Roberts is is an interesting one he we have um, been quite critical of him you know potentially thinking that his his heart isn't always um, you know in 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 the bath shirt but I saw a stat um, when I was watching the game, actually, that that was his 14th consecutive appearance for Bath. Um, you know, no other player has has has, has done that um, with the guys being rested over the the European Cup and other guys being out to international. So I, you know, with that in mind, and and he's been quite outspoken about the training. So I think it's clear that he's you know quite a senior guy in in that respect. With that in mind, I think um, you know I'd, I'd probably take some of some of that back to be honest. I think he is showing uh, particularly this season. Um, a really good commitment to the cause. He's been, um, I think, an underrated um, uh, presence in defence um, in that ten twelve channel with Burns and, and Priest, and potentially not the the, the greatest defenders. And I, and I think he's been solid. Yeah, he was he was relatively quiet um, in attack, in particular against Gloucester. Um, but 
ultimately, I you know I I um uh, you know I've, I, whereas I'm not sure how long he's got left at the club, I would say that um you know he's he, he's really stepped up this season. I think. I think he's playing his best rugby in a blue, black, and white jersey than he's played previously. Maybe the last few seasons as well. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, Nick Price, I guess, sort of carrying on from what we've been saying, Gloss were just more clinical. We had opportunities, three big ones. Watson, wrong option. Valatau's pass, not going to hand. Dunzil, discipline. Three easy tries missed and therefore the win. But he says, still very encouraging, but we're bound to blame Reese Priestland. Ooh, so I'm, I'm, I'm actually completely agree with, um, with everything, all that sentiment. Um, to be honest, I think, I think, I think Preston again had a had a decent enough game. His kicking is, um, is is something to behold, and um, particularly out of hand, uh, is a is a massive, massive weapon. Uh, reminds me of the old days of rugby 08G, um, <laughs> when you'd have you'd have that ridiculous fly half, and anyone who's played that will know. And you could be in your own dead ball line, and um, you might have Dan Carter as your fly half, and you could kick it down to the opposition 22. Um, quite easily and uh, Priestland feels like he's he's getting uh, not to Dan Carter levels quite in every respect but um, <laughs> his, his kicking from hand is um, it, it, quite ridiculous so do you think we found Mrs Priestland's burner account at Nick Price 1979 <laughs> burner Twitter account um, yeah I don't think we are blaming Nick uh, I don't think we are blaming Reese this week Nick and I think you're spot on about the the, the, the missed opportunities but for me um, I'm fed up of, of excuses at the moment um, any other thoughts Tom uh, uh, about this game uh, before we before we move on uh, yeah a couple of things I was going to say I'm conscious we've we've gone on about this for a while now the first was just around the line out um, as you said it's been a very effective weapon in the past um, admittedly a, a poor result against Clermont but three out of the the four tries we scored there um, in our in our one of two bonus four try bonus point um, uh, performances of the of the season so far three out of the four there were um, driving more so it has been an effective weapon for us in the past um, I thought it was poor particularly when we got down to the red zone Tom Dunn missed one I think and, and Jack Walker when he came on again um, as as I think he said Hugh uh, mentioned and um, uh, I think he he's struggling and um, uh, you know I think with Ross Batty now coming back from injury I think Stuart Hooper will be thinking quite carefully about who that second choice hooker hooker um, is is going to g is going to be g because um, it, it's a massively massively important area and um, we, we're just not quite nailing it at the moment. Um, and the second one, just around the sort of clinicality that we've that we've mentioned, and it's just around the, the try scoring point. G and a stat that I, I I quite liked, and I think that sort of brings it um, brings it to life um, a little bit. So we've scored thirteen tries uh, in the Premiership altogether. Obviously, six of which mm. were against London Irish in one game. Gloucester have got a ridiculous second half uh, try scoring record, um, the best in the league, I think, and they have scored fifteen tries <laughs> only in the the second half. So. Um, uh, I think that's quite a quite a telling statistic um, about our our sort of style of play um, uh, relative to theirs, and uh, you know potentially something to something to aspire to um, in terms of our attack in, in in coming months. Yeah, I think that's a nice bow on that game, Tom. I think that was exactly the difference between the two sides on the day. Right, let's move on to talk a little bit about um, contracts and players out of contract, mm. um, and I think it's important to stress right from the start um, that everything we say is is pure speculation as fans um, and we you know a lot of the people some of the people we talk about may even have longer on their contracts these aren't official um, contracts that, that, that we've got 
uh, and we don't know sort of we're not we're not creating anything here it's just um a bit of uh, uh rumor and chat that i'm sure all other bath fans have over a pint over christmas and this actually came from charlie sykes on bath rugby supporters um a conversation started on there so thanks charlie for this um and he gave a list of players that he believed was out of, were out of contract for the upcoming season so i thought it was a good idea for us tom to um uh, go through them, highlight some guys we'd really like to stay and highlight some guys that perhaps for one reason or another uh, we, we may look to let go. Um, how do we do this? Should we go through the, the, the forwards first? There's not that many forwards on this list, on Charlie's list. So uh, why don't I read those out and maybe give one you'd really like to stay and one that perhaps you'd like to see go or, or, or just give a general thought on them. Yeah, so sure. We've got Lucas Naguera, Henry Thomas, Levi Douglas, Matt Garvey, Francois Lowe and Sam Underhill, all believed by Charlie to be out of contract in the summer. Yeah, I think... I don't know if Nathan Cat would be the other one. Just I'm thinking about it. If he, um, his contract's up. But yeah, of the of the ones you've you've spoken about. So, um, I think it's important to to say as well that um, I think it's fairly clear that Bath operate um, very very close to to that salary cap. So some of these guys who um, you know are going to be commanding quite significantly higher salaries. So Sam Underhill in particular. You know this is his first contract renewal with Bath. The things he has done. Um, particularly on the international scene since that point, um, will mean that he will command a significantly higher salary. So um, you can't just say that, that you want to you know, you keep some underhill, as I'm sure um, that we all do, and as I know that I certainly do, um, without really being pragmatic and say where is sort of that um, uh, broadly going to come from. And I think um, there's a couple of guys in there. Spoken like a true accountant. Well, I'm not an accountant. There's, <laughs> not an accountant for the record. But there's a couple of there's a couple of uh, guys in there um, who I think if they if they stay um, will potentially be um, you know uh, involved in a different capacity. So I think Matt Garvey would be would be the first first one there. So his his contract um, up and I think he he he's a sad one because he's really struggled with injury. I don't think he was um, really allowed to fire his shot in his final season as 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 club captain. Um, and again, he's not really, I don't think, uh, going to be a regular feature in the the first team going forward. Um, that said, I think um, he'd he'd be a brilliant um, uh, operator in in some sort of um, different role within within the club. He's a fantastic leader um, and he's been sort of a great a great player for us over over the season. Uh, over past season, sorry. The other one, Lucas Naguera, I think he, he, you know, for a guy with 50-ish you know, Argentinian mm. caps, I think, you know, he's potentially failed to uh, failed to settle and failed to make his mark in the way that, that he would want to. So um, I, I imagine, um, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if um, we see him um, going on to, to Pastors New as well, G. Yeah, I think just on, on Naguera, I think when, when he joined, there was certainly a worry perhaps on on his English skills and I think that has meant that he's not settled as you say Tom and he's really probably not lived up to the expectations that that he came with and he's he's quite clearly third maybe even fourth choice loose head at this point and I'm sure when he joined that was certainly not his aspirations and yeah. it certainly wasn't our aspiration so I think potentially from from both parties that might yeah. be a, a a mutually parting ways exactly and I think you know the other guys um I, you know, ideal word. I, I think will stay, and I think I, I would like to. I'd very much like them to stay. Henry Thomas, um, brilliant, brilliant player. 
Um, I think, you know, with the young tight heads we've got, he's he's great guy to have around. Sorry, I know I'm going on a bit. Levi Douglas, we spoke um, uh, many times about how good we we think he is and how, um, you know, we think he should be included in the in, in the first 15 squad more often. Um, and then low and low and underhill. I won't I won't say any more about about those guys. Um, uh, yeah, I think um, every Bath fan. Well, I would like to say every Bath fan, but you just never know. Looking at at the cesspit that is Twitter sometimes, that uh, I think I would like to say that most Bath fans um, would want those guys to say G. Yeah, certainly both Bath fans in this room would like both didn't, of those guys. Didn't Low renew last year though? Uh, was it just a one year? Well, it must have been. I yeah, potentially that's right. I would have been surprised, but I guess he potentially wanted to. Um, kind of take stock at this point having you know knowing that it would be after the World Cup yeah I think um, there was a feeling yeah. that they were going to sort of renew talks post World Cup um, therefore having more information about his international aspirations post World Cup I think that was the idea around the, the one year deal um, should we uh, should we go into um, into the backs so a much longer list of backs well, you, you start on these um, so should we just do you know five half backs uh, out of contract, so Green, Chudley, Cook, Burns and Alex Davis. I stress again, this is Charlie Sykes' list of players out of contract, not the official list. Um, and I think this is the key area, isn't it, mm. that, that, that all Bath fans want to talk about, that the, the, the coaching staff, that the directors, that everybody at the club must be talking about. Um, because, to put it bluntly, the half-backs the performances from the halfbacks over the past two seasons have not been consistent enough for Bath to be a top-level Premiership and European side. And that is, for me, the crux of a lot of the problems. Yeah. Um, and that is not a slight on, on any of the players at all, but they, I think all of them would admit that they have not been consistent enough to allow us to go to that, that next level. And they've had time now. We're looking at guys like Chris Cook, who's had eight or nine seasons at the club, um, Chudley, two seasons at the club. Burns, three seasons seasons at the club. I think Davis is probably slightly different because I think he was, you know, signed as a backup. But I think those three guys have had opportunities, and I think they can't feel hard done by if the club look to go elsewhere. And I think potentially with with four of those guys, um, the club may look to to exploit other options. Tom, yeah, I, gee, I think I think you're spot on. Um, yeah, it's. It's difficult to know, um, sort of, for what's going to happen because I guess the other side of of that coin is, you know, who do we want to bring in um, in that particular area, and that sort of brings me on to, uh, to to that point. I think, in particular, you know, what we need to achieve in terms of signing and bringing players in is a, a ten who we can we can bank on um, for the long term because Preston's done well, I think, in, in parts of the season, but obviously, um, you know, he is he is he is getting on, and he, you know. Um, I think there's an element of you can't teach an old dog new tricks all the time. Um, and, and the one for me, gee, obviously we can speculate about the best fly halves in the world, but the player for me that I would be having a very, very close look at if I were, were Stuart Hooper is Alex Ozowski. Mm. Do you agree? Yeah. I think someone on Twitter oh, actually, really? uh, brought it up as well. But yeah, Because I, I he, he is one for me where he's he's just... You know, he's, he's a quality operator. He's been involved in England. I think he's still trying to find his best position. But he's, um, you know, he's a um, he's a pretty reliable kicker. He's a good playmaker. He's an attacking threat. He's a fantastic defender. He's got all the attributes to play pretty much across the back line. But I think when I've seen him play ten, I've been really encouraged with with what he's doing. But you know, he can't get a he can't get a break at, at Saracens. Obviously, they got Owen Farrell there. You'd think that he'd be the the natural backup when when he's gone. But they'll often play, you know, Alex Good last season, 
Um, and with Alex Good injured, they're now sort of turning to, to Max Malins um, ahead of Alex Zosky. So I can't imagine and, that and he is... And the Vinopola boy as well. Yeah, and no. uh, Manny Vinopola. So I imagine he is getting relatively frustrated. Um, obviously, again, pure speculation, but um, you know, should Saracens be in a position this season um, in terms of their salary where they have to <laughs> offload some players? I don't, I don't think you could say that's pure speculation. I think... Recent history has told us they're they're reasonably in the market to to offload a couple of players. Well, yeah, well, you know, you've heard rumours um, of some of their players already being um, linked with with clubs. Obviously, Liam Williams, um, uh, the, the the most um, notable, uh, confirmed departure already. And I think um, I'm not sure what Alex Zoski's um, contract position is, but I think. Um, you know, Bath are probably in a position if a couple of the, those guys do go to offer him more than he's being offered now, and probably above his his market rate. And um, for me, that would be that would be a really good investment. Yeah, so I think just looking at Twitter, Johnny Gale um, Johnny. Re- replied to <laughs> my stuff. tweet earlier saying we need to be chasing Lazowski as a priority signing for next season. So. Yeah, I, I think that is absolutely bang on at Bath Rugby Plug on Twitter. If you're not already following us for some of this uh, great insight. Um, but yeah, I think he was signed actually to, to be Owen Farrell's backup. And yeah. he's, he's, he's not played there. And he's um, he's an extremely versatile it's player. But I, I think that's doing him a disservice. I think he, he is that and might, can yeah. be a, a high quality fly half, Tom. Um, Would you bring in a nine? Uh, if we can get one that will improve our our, our our current position, then yes, I would definitely who, who do you want? Uh, get a nine. Who do I want? Do you want me to stretch some names at you and you can just give me your immediate reaction? Yeah. Sort of premiership nines. I would love that. Premiership nines around the place. So um, Nick Phipps, yeah, London Irish, given no. that they, they might go down. No, no, not a fan of that. Um, and again, these these guys probably won't come, but hypothetically, someone like Dan Robson. Yes. Yeah, be a fan of, fan of <laughs> Dan Robson. Be a fan um, of Joe Simpson. Um, is he not the kind of player you're looking for? Yeah, I think we'll be at risk of signing Will Chudley 2.0. Okay, well, with that in mind, Richard Wigglesworth? <laughs> no. 3.0. Ben Youngs, been linked with a departure from Leicester, hasn't re-signed. 4.0. Do you like Ben Youngs? Mm. Yeah, I, I like a little bit more. Uh, yeah, may, Ben Youngs maybe, what's his England aspirations probably still to play. I think we need someone that, that can come in and be there the whole time. Um, maybe mentor a guy like like Max Green, who who we've spoken about, who's promising. Had ankle surgery at the start of the season, so he's yeah. out. Um, go on. For me, the 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 one because I completely agree. I don't want to see them bring in someone who's just come out of another academy because we've got Ollie Fox, young guy, twenty years old. We've got Max Green, mm. who showed a lot of promise last season. So give those guys um, a chance. But I think bringing someone with a little bit more. Um, experience at the top level and for me and again this is just looking within within the premiership Francois Houhard um, for me would be the would be the dream signing um, in the premiership I'm also a big fan of, of Kovas Reinach but um, obviously he's now um, involved with with South Africa so potentially not as a attractive signing but Houhard you know I've noticed he's not been starting um, that much for for Worcester so far this season um, not sure um, you know what that'll do for um, for for his ego, to be honest, and uh, will he again be um, disenfranchised with this club um, and looking for for you know um, uh, another club? And again, purely hypothetical, but um, that for me would be a major announcement and a, and a universally positive one. Yeah. So our um, quick five minutes on players out of contract, which was in the agenda, is going well, mate. But really enjoying this chat. Hope you are at home as well. And once again, get in touch with us with all your thoughts just before we move on to, to the remainder of the guys. And whilst you bring up Worcester, I think 
you know, like everyone, we should probably mention yeah. and, and and send our best wishes to to Michael Fatialofa, who um, is still in a a pretty serious condition in hospital after suffering a a pretty bad injury at the weekend um, in their defeat. So um, I think he's having surgery yes, tonight, yeah. uh, Monday, as we record. So um, you know, things put into perspective, and um, yeah, all our thoughts and, and prayers with with Michael and and his family. Um, yeah. Let's move on to, to the rest of the, the, the players that are rumoured, again, to be out of contract in the summer. Um, so centres, Tom, uh, Willison, Roberts, Wright and Clark, two experienced guys, two new guys, one to stay, one to go. What? Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one to stay of those, um, be no surprise to you, G, uh, Max Wright, uh, who I'm a massive fan of, and the one to go would be um, I think, as I mentioned earlier, Jamie Roberts. Um, I think potentially um, time to, um, you know, uh, let the younger guys um, who probably learned a lot from him um, sort of come to the fore and and, and start being, uh, you know, regular starters in that in that in that thirteen or, or twelve shot. Yeah, and I think you know, talking about the redistribution of the the, the salary yeah. across the the, the squad. Uh, a little bit more evenly. Roberts may be a guy that, that falls foul of that. And that's not a slight on his performances this season. As we mentioned earlier, he's probably playing his best rugby. And finally, um, Ali Brew, Tom Homer and Darren Atkins. Would you like to see any of them them leave? I think... You can I, I think the, the one for me would be Ali Brew. Where do we stand exactly with, with his rugby? He's playing quite a lot out of position, uh, coming on in the centres, which I don't think is helping his cause. I think I'd certainly like to keep Homer and... Atkins, both of them, I think, for quite obvious reasons. Uh, but I think Bruce, the one there, which um, a decision is probably to be made by, again, by both parties, is this kind of current working um, situation working for, for, for both of them. Yep. Brilliant. Um, enjoyed that, Tom. So, uh, yeah, as I said, um, get in touch with us with all your thoughts. And it is exciting, isn't it? You know, uh, January, obviously, January the 1st, the very first day that clubs um, will be going out there and, and talking to players. They won't have started it at all in, in 2019, um, obviously in line, in line with the rules. But, um, you know, every single day um, that goes by, there might be a big announcement there might be um some really exciting news and um you know it's the hope that kills us but um at least that hope will be restored gx the chiefs uh, on the 3rd of january doing some very quick business in in only three days to sign johnny gray <laughs> um quite a staggering negotiation um there um but yeah hoping for um a big name um in the nine or ten shirt uh, for bath um you know to, to get us all excited um even more so for for next season um, next season yeah I think that's right Tom it is exciting and whilst sometimes the rugby on the pitch is dire um, as, as, as I say <laughs> we can always hope that it is going to improve right let's quickly um, look ahead to, to, to the upcoming bit of a marathon this the, one isn't the, it the, <laughs> so. you're still with us thank you very much indeed <laughs> I'm barely still with us <laughs> um, and we've now got a dead rubber to talk about so that'll take about half Hang an on, hour I've got I've um, got written here, Bath United, <laughs> Bath under 18s. Can I just do that? Because I've actually done some research on this. Um, yeah, well, I, well I, can I? Right, okay. I'll, I'll try and set you up here um, in my best presenting oh, spoiler style. Spoiler alert, to, I'm about to talk about Bath United and Bath under 18s. Yeah, I, I'm going to try and link it um, with the upcoming game. So um, how about this? It is a dead rubber on Friday night against Harlequins. 
Um, and therefore, the likelihood is that Stuart Hooper will play a, a much changed 15, a much changed 23. And therefore, from the Bath United and Bath under 18 squads that both won at the weekend, who would you most like to come in to that 15 or 23? Good question. Um, I don't think there'll be any from the, the under 18s. Um, I think it's uh, um, a li- little bit too early, although those guys um, have been, um, uh, you know, performing really well. You say everything's been been dire on the pitch, but not across the club. G, um, they beat Exeter Chiefs um, uh, at Truro College, um, so really an away fixture there, twenty-two-seven. Um, so relatively, relatively convincing, um, and they've secured back-to-back wins, uh, having beaten Saracens uh, uh, under 18s the the week before. So two really good. Uh, scalps there um, and I was looking through the team uh, G for under 18 I know I've gone off on another tangent I was looking through <laughs> the team and I saw De Glanville and I thought oh you know we want to be seeing him playing in the in the first team why are they playing him in under 18s and how's he managing to um, how's he still under 18 but it's another uh, De Glanville G Ollie De Glanville um, uh, who is playing in the centres as well so um, you know he came in I think it's his first game for um, uh, for Bath under 18s um, so uh, yeah, another um, uh, potential talent there in a in a fantastic Bath rugby family. Mm. Um, on to Bath United, um, who again um, uh, are two from two now. Um, so they beat uh, Bristol uh, Bristol Bears, which we all love to hear. Nineteen uh, fourteen, um, and two guys made a return from injury. And to answer your question, um, Jackson Willison has been a player that's really gone off the radar. Uh, you know, mm. looking back to the first half of last season, we praised him for, um, you know, his offloading game um, uh, in particular, but also he just brought a little bit something, um, you know, an extra dimension in that in that 12 and, and, and 13 shirt. So, you know, as we've said, he's been struggling with, with concussion. Um, so to see him come back and, and to be playing and, and starting um, for Bath United... Um, hopefully that means that that can sort of be translated into into a first 15 appearance. I'd love to see him um, get a bit of game time, get his confidence back up over the next couple of weeks um, and then be sort of raring to go in the next Premiership block, particularly given um, that Jonathan Joseph will likely be missing yeah. um, uh, for the next five Premiership games, um, uh, you know, the next block. Yeah, I think that that's right, Tom. I, I, Willison, a guy we're big fans of, as you say, so, so yeah, hopefully... He can come back strong. I think for me, the key, the in- the most interesting selection yeah. on on Friday is going to be what he does at fly half. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought we were both on the same page here. So, um, you know, to give both kind of perspectives here. So, Rich Knight uh, got in touch with us at Bath Rugby Plug, saying we now have a couple of Euro matches to try out sixty mins of some Freddie Burns magic. Mm. Whereas Tom Scriven. Uh, got in touch with also on Twitter say when do we bung in Tom the Glanville and back him just like Quinns did with Marcus Smith surely it's time um, and I think I'd quite like to see Tom de Glanville get a go and that may not be in, in the fly half shirt yeah. um, but I wouldn't necessarily mind it if it was because that is obviously an area where we we are um, kind of struggling with some creativity problems at the moment and, and I think people would maybe say um you know Burns can offer that creativity and I think there is an argument for that but I kind of think like we 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 kind of know where we are with Burns at this point in that he may play really well on 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 Friday against Harlequins but but does that mean that he's going to translate that into consistent performances across the premiership I think I've seen enough at this point to suggest 
no, I don't think it will. And so if he did play well, fantastic, we may get the win. But but is that kind of isn't that kind of the Freddie Burns experience that one week he'll he'll do some fantastic things and one week he'll do some some pretty poor things and that's kind of where we are. And if we do get a chance to see the Glanville at fly half, um, then, then then that might be slightly different. But gee, some of you know Bath's greatest fly halves of 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 you know recent years have been exactly like that. Have been mercurial players, George Ford. Um, most recently when he played for Bath, yes, when he was hot, um, he was absolutely white hot, but he was also very, 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 very cold, um, uh, you know, in, in, in some instances. Um, you look at other guys, Butch James and Stephen Donald as well, players that we both really enjoyed watching, and they were mercurial as well. So I think, but, but I, th- I think with Freddie Burns, just to, just to finish my point, I think just at least, at least just give the guy a chance. Um, I know he, he he's only really played this season and towards back in the last season. He's only ever started at fullback. He's barely started a game in this favoured number ten shirt. So I don't think he's really been given a proper chance. And I think his talent, um, you know, and his enthusiasm for the club, I think certainly merits a proper opportunity. And um, you know, De Glanville's been playing fifteen. Tom De Glanville's been playing mm. fifteen and inside centre. So I think it'd be. Um, yeah, a really good selection to have Burns 10 to Glanville 12 and then Jackson Willison as I said at 13 I'd be really encouraged by that kind of selection yeah just on the point about Freddie you've got two World Cup winners and one World Cup finalist there I think there's s- <laughs> what do you do that's overregging Stephen Donald a little bit he was fishing until about a day before <laughs> and I looked like him when I uh, pulled my Sulin's jersey back on on Saturday after Christmas I'll tell you that that was a uh, humorous rev when I just looked like Stephen Donald pulling it down but that's another massive tangent yeah potentially you're right and I do think De Glanville not playing at 10 um, for Bath United kind of scuppers that 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 hope that I have that he's going to be the the second coming of of, of someone like George Ford but um, yeah I think to see him get a game you know of all those Bath United guys would be really promising and also the other one for me would be Levi Douglas I mean I'm not going to go on too much ab- about him um, because you know we've spoken a lot about how much we rate him um, so I really would like to see him get some game time and Stuke and McNally have both played a lot of rugby and so to rotate there I think would be would be nice absolutely yeah the only other thing to add so um, you're absolutely right there's going to be changes Stuart Hooper um, said as much in fact that you know he said um, although we can't progress in Europe we can progress our game so I think um, particularly with those guys out and um, gee it's going to be five premiership games um, after these two championship cup mm. weeks th- until we have um, those guys back um, you know whoever's whoever's selected from from the six nations and you know it could be um, six or seven guys if um, you know someone if Eddie Jones goes a bit left field and, and picks someone like Will Stewart or even Elliot Stook might go to give those World Cup second rows a bit of a break so um, you know we'll be 13 games in then so only nine games left in the premiership so it's a massively important um, part of the season um, again because I think the table will start to um, become clearer at the moment there's there's only a couple of points um, I think between sort of third and, and eighth or something like that so um, it's very very close but the, that will start to become a bit more bit more dispersed um, the, the, in terms of in terms of selection I think I think you're spot on with everything you said there the only other thing um, I would add to that is is in the hooker position um, so I mentioned it briefly but I think with Ross Batty coming back um, and as he's often done for for Bath United, um, grabbing uh, a couple of a couple of tries um, uh, in that win against Bristol, I think you know it's a good opportunity for for, for Stuart Hooper to to nail down who his second choice hooker is. Jack Walker showed a lot of promise, um, but I think has also been given the benefit of the doubt to a certain extent, given that he is he is he is a young guy. So I think um, I'd like to see Tom Dunn given a given a rest for for a couple of weeks. 
um, let himself recover a bit, and I'd give um, Walker and uh, and Batty a start respectively, um, and and see how they go. And then I think leading into that next Premiership block, um, whoever comes up better. Um, gets that number 16 shirt. Yeah, I think that, that's actually a really good idea, Tom. So hopefully, Hoops, you have made it to the end of the podcast and hopefully all the listeners have made it to the end of the podcast. Um, thank you very much for listening the whole way through. If you have got this far, we really appreciate it. And I've said it a few times, but do get in touch with us with all your thoughts and do all those great things like telling your mates, rating the podcast and reviewing it. We'll probably read a few reviews out uh, at some point if we, when we next remember and when we're next not going on for, 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 for hours and hours. But um, thanks for listening. Enjoy the rugby this weekend. A bath game with not much riding on it so you can maybe stress a little bit less and hopefully enjoy a victory for the blue, black and white. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with plenty more thoughts about the boys but stick with it through thick and thin. <laughs>